I believe we've got Jennifer Gill, the Springfield School Superintendent, on the line with us now. Superintendent, are you there? Yes, I am. Thank you so much. Great to have you here with us. We greatly appreciate your time. I know it's very busy getting ready for the uh, return of classes. So uh, I'll just ask you uh, both the easiest and the hardest question of the day. How ready are you for this next Monday? Well, that's that's a loaded question. But, you know, my job is to be ready for the inevitable. And school will start on the 23rd. And our teachers are coming back on the 19th. We can't wait to... Uh, see them and get get the school year started. So we're excited at this point in time and and just uh, as ready as you can be in this very strange environment. We, we uh, want to get a little bit of the lay of the land, and you offered up some numbers last night because as students are getting mm-hmm. registered, you have been asking about vaccination status, and a number of students right. opted not to answer. But of the of the numbers you gave, it was a little bit confusing. You you had a figure of uh, just over 2,400 uh, that indicated they are not vaccinated, although you said some of that group may be too young to get the shot. But there was another group of around 3,300 or so that are too young to get the shot. So so I guess what I'm asking is, do you have an idea of students who are eligible to be vaccinated? Uh, how many uh, are, in fact, vaccinated and how many will be starting the school year unvaccinated in, in those close quarters? Right. Well, and, and I will tell you that um, of the students who are uh, com- completely registered, that means they have hit submit and ready to go. We have about 9,629 students who have completely registered as of today. Uh, we have 11,723 that have started the process. Oftentimes, we'll get to the part where we have to upload our, our information about you know our residency and, and all of those things. And it may take a few minutes, and schools are helping families. But of those 9,629, those are the solid that we know have registered, we have approximately 1,585 who have either started the vaccination process or are fully vaccinated. 225 have received the first dose, and we can't really call them fully vaccinated yet. But if you add those two together, we have 1,360 that are completely vaccinated and another 225 who have received the first dose. So when you look at that number, then you also compare it to the 2,712 that are not vaccinated. Uh, They've self-selected on there that they are not vaccinated. Uh, we have an additional 3,706 students who are not eligible yet. And generally, that is because they are not yet um, of age to receive one of the vaccines. They're either pre-K, which is about 600 students, and then all the way through. Um, most of them are in fifth grade, but we still have some of our sixth graders who are not 12 yet. So those students obviously could get vaccinated during this upcoming school year as they turn 12. And then we had an additional 1,632 who did not answer the question or chose not to give um, information one way or the the other. Um, That's something that the schools will be working on to see whether or not they they skipped a question or if they just hadn't started yet, so they didn't want to answer it, but they're not saying that they're not willing to get vaccinated. Or some of those numbers also may be those that are too young and they just didn't select the right choice. So, you know, the data is hard to get when you're filling out an online registration and, and you're relying on Um, people filling out those notes, but at least we have this much information at our fingertips, and and we appreciate that. That still is, though, only about 20% of registered students that that you know have been vaccinated or is at least in the process of being vaccinated, which means a lot of potentially of unvaccinated students in that setting, which seems like it it could be a concern. Is is that a concern for you? No. When you look at the percentage and you take everybody 
whole, you know, pre-K through 12th grade, that's not necessarily fair to us because we've been mandated to return to school um, and uh, and to provide in-person learning for students and only provide remote learning for those that are quarantined. And about 50% or more of our students cannot get vaccinated because they are in that pre-K to possibly some sixth grade range that aren't 12 yet. So, oh, I understand that, you know, but that, but yeah. they're still potentially yeah. susceptible to to this uh, if we True, start to see... True, but the 20% go- piece that you talked about, that would be for those 12 and up. Well, but it's 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 twenty percent of of all the students in the numbers that you gave me there. And I guess my my point is again, mm-hmm. that's a lot of unvaccinated students in these buildings. So is that a concern for you uh, as far as being able to get the year underway and to keep classes going, um, given the the current case numbers we're seeing in the community? You know, I I would be remiss if I didn't say, hey, we are ready to be prepared for any inevitability that might happen. Um, We know that we have to be flexible. We know we have to uh, prepare. One thing that I've been talking to my staff about is to anticipate and be able to navigate. Uh, We are going to welcome students back five days a week for full days um, starting on the 23rd. Uh, One of the first things we want to do is is pass out those computers, make sure that students understand how to use Canvas and, and how to get their assignments and how to interact with their teachers, get to know their teachers, uh, get that personal name basis. And we're going to continue on and provide that in-person instruction until we're, we're guided to do um, otherwise. Uh, that's the charge that's been given to us. And I think anybody who watches the numbers, I think it would be kind of not, not okay to not be a little bit concerned that this uh, spread is starting to happen, you know, right here as we go back to school. But you know what? We're ready for it, and we're ready to uh, make sure that we uh, provide good instruction if a student does have to become quarantined, and you know, just be ready and, and ready to move and, and do anything flexible as we as we come back into the school year. What's the the situation as far as substitutes? If you have teachers that may have to quarantine if they get exposed, uh, do you have the the staffing to deal with those contingencies? Yeah. So one of the things that we are able to do with our federal funding is to provide um, permanent subs to schools, and it was kind of dependent on how many teachers they had in the school. So obviously middle school and high schools got more of those positions. And then we've also been able to hire on dedicated subs. Those are two different uh, types of positions. A permanent sub is actually a full-time employee that comes to work at that school every single day. Uh, They have a little bit of a higher uh, pay grade uh, than a normal substitute. And then the dedicated subs are ones that say, hey, we'll come in if you call us and, and we'll go to your school and, and cover a class. And they sort of commit themselves uh, to a school. And that's a higher uh, pay grade than a regular sub. And we still have a host of subs coming in and applying for, for work in District 186. And, and so we're very thankful to those that are willing to, to give of their time to help if, if a teacher does get into any type of a reason for, for needing a sick day, but especially Uh, right now for any COVID quarantine. Talking with Springfield School Superintendent Jennifer Gill about preparations for the start uh, of classes. Uh, And Superintendent, this time last year, the school board made the decision to go fully remote. I know that's not an option available to you this year, uh, but they did it on the basis of uh, metrics set up by the state to evaluate the safe return to classrooms. Right now in Sangamon County, we don't meet any of those metrics. So what, what should parents think about that with students going back into classrooms, mostly unvaccinated uh, in a situation where we're not meeting the metrics that were in place a year ago? 
Well, I think, you know, the one thing that I've learned about this is that things change absolutely daily. Our knowledge of, of all pieces related to the COVID crisis has, you know, um, been changing on a daily basis. And we are just following guidance that's given to us. Uh, we know that students also missed out on learning and that there was a crisis around having not having students in school, not having them receive that direct instruction not having all students really have an equitable opportunity um, in a remote setting. Uh, for some families, it was very difficult to, to manage that where others and other students thrived, other students did not. And so getting students back into school and, and doing our very best to, to provide um, what a normal school year might look like um, so that students can have not only the education during the day, but the things that go along with it um, is extremely important. So, you know, really, it's it's like which side of the crisis are are you concerned about? And it's just it's just hard to navigate this. And as I've said several times, this is the most diverse, di divisive, and also uh, diverse situation that I've ever seen in terms of all of the facets that you have to think about on a daily basis. Uh, you know, there isn't isn't a lack of things for me to wake up at night worrying about. Um, but the important thing is I've got teachers that are ready to come back into the classroom and, and students that are eager to come back into school um, and learn. And, and we are uh, wearing masks and, and our school district got out in front of that. And, you know, then the governor followed behind uh, trying to return to in a, the safest way we possibly can um, so that we can get students back into the classroom. Do you wish you had that remote option that you had in the, the spring semester this uh, this past school year? I know some parents have, have asked for it, and, and obviously you can't provide it right now, but would that have been a, a better way to go to at least have the option available to parents? You know, I think that would be, you know, speculation on my part, and, and it's hard. It's hard to really know. I think having that normal school year, five days a week, getting students back into school at the beginning of the year is what we had we had hoped for and we're here. Obviously it's it's concerning that the metrics have changed and that this variant has, has kind of started to take hold. Um, I can't say right now, you know, one way or the other whether I think something's better than the other. I just know what's put in place of me and what's expected and and uh, that we're ready to go back. And and like I said, because we learned how to do that last year we know how to do it and getting computers into kids' hands and making sure that they have those assigned and that we get that opportunity to meet them and, and uh, teach them how to use that technology is a very important piece of this. And I will say one, one plug, if any family still has their device at home from last school year, maybe they went to Summer Boost and, or, or Camp Compass and they haven't returned that to school, they really need to do that because we refreshed some of those computers, meaning that you'll get a brand new one. Um, so if you have those at home, don't keep them. Uh, they're actually been uh, taken offline, so they can't be used right now. And we need to make sure that we get those back so that we can refresh them for the coming school year. Superintendent Jennifer Gill, uh, before we let you go, a couple other questions real quickly. You, you went sure. through some of the registration numbers, and, and those totals are lower than what we've seen in student head, headcount in recent years pre-pandemic. Uh, have we just lost some group of students, whether it's to private schools or to homeschooling, or are you expecting a, a smaller total group of students enrolled in District 186 this year? Um, you know, it our enrollment in the city has also dropped over the past few years, so it obviously will eventually trickle down to school districts and all all schools really, no matter no matter which uh, which school, pri private or parochial or or uh, public. 
Um, like I said, we have 11,723 started. That's actually 1,000 more than we had last Friday. So I think people are getting the message. Our schools are getting out there and, and really saying to families, you've got to log in. Oftentimes, students fill out their um, schedule at high school and middle school in the spring, and they don't think they actually have to register and tell us that they're coming back, but they do. And so as the schools call, they're starting to get those responses. So that number has jumped quite a bit, just even in, in uh, a couple days from last last week till this week. Uh, last year, we ended up the school year roughly around 13,000. Um, so we do have a little bit more to go, but it is always slow towards the end, uh, getting in those last few. So we don't really know if in the end we'll have um, that big of a drop, but I can keep you posted and let you know. We'll continue to track that. Um, uh, I know the uh, main thing you're going to be focusing on here at the start of the school year is just trying to assess uh, how students are doing, uh, what the last year did to them in terms of their academic progress. How easy is it going to be to, to quantify that and kind of figure out where students are and, and where they need to go from here? Well, again, that's one of the biggest pieces of having students back in person, getting to know them as learners, getting to assess uh, where they are uh, with their academic learning and, you know, the standards that we have by the state, you know, how students are progressing. Uh, we use the NWEA map assessment to give to, to all students as they come in to kind of understand where they are and, and understand if uh, where, their, where their specific learning needs are. And having them back in school will allow us to do that. Um, we have designed uh, some sort of boost lessons, some ramp-up lessons uh, that will allow teachers to um, sort of ease up where they normally would have gone with the curriculum at the beginning of the year as they assess students, but then provide them the supports to help students uh, catch up uh, the growth that they may have lost, uh, but also not hold any other student back that's moving forward. So uh, we are ready for that. Um, it's something that our curriculum leaders and directors have been discussing and, and sharing with teachers. And once again, as we get back into the classroom on the 19th and 20th, uh, we'll be rolling out some of those uh, pieces to our educators. But, you know, we are concerned that that there was a learning loss over the over the last 18 months. And finally, one of the great joys of my childhood, I suspect probably yours as well, was waking up in the morning in the winter to find out that it had snowed overnight and school was called off for the day. And those days could be over in District 186. You're going to have the school board coming back later this month to vote on uh, a plan that says for most snow days, kids would still be in school just remotely from home on their computers. Right. Are you really going to put an end to this great joy of childhood? Well, as we all know, that the great joy probably will still be here once in a great while because there may be days where, you know, that I always remember the great ice storm in the 1970s where we were home for an entire week and really all power was out and things of that nature. If something like that happens, we will still have those good old-fashioned snow days. There may be even a day where the snow is so deep uh, that we know our, our teachers and our staff need to be focusing on their homes and the well-being of their families, um, and those will still be snow days. But we often have these days where the weather isn't so good, maybe at the beginning of the day, and it, it prompts us to close school, but by noon, uh, the kids are all outside playing and, and people are out and about around the community, or we have those long snaps of 
frigid temperatures that doesn't really affect movement around the city or any any power outages, but it's just so cold, it's hard uh, to be out and about. Those are the, the times when we hope that we would use this e-learning program. Um, we are going to be a one-to-one district where we're having the students uh, take their devices uh, to and from home. That's actually preparing them for college and career because uh, we always have our, our devices um, with us in college now and then also in career. So we just know that, that this is a viable option. Um, it doesn't have to be used, but it is on the table for us so that we don't have to use so many emergency days that we have to add on so many extra days in June. And in the meantime, kids start wishing for ice storms instead of snowstorms. Superintendent Jennifer Gill. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we always appreciate your time. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Hey, thank you so much.